Given our time constraints, we will now summarize the reasons why Mr. Mulvaney, Mr. Duffy, and Mr. Blair are also important. Let's turn first to Mr. Mulvaney. To begin with, Mr. Mulvaney participated in meetings and discussions with President Trump at every single stage of this scheme. We just talked about motive and intent. Well, if you want further insight into the President's motives or intent, further direct evidence of why he withheld the military aid in the White House meeting, you should call his acting chief of staff, who had more access than anyone. Mr. Mulvaney is important because the President's counsel continues to argue incorrectly that our evidence is just hearsay and speculation. Faced with Ambassador Sondland and Mr. Holmes saying this was all as clear as two plus two equals four, the President says they are just guessing. That is simply not true. The evidence is direct. The evidence is compelling and confirmed by many witnesses, corroborated by text messages, emails, and phone records. But if you want more evidence, if you want another firsthand account for why the aid was withheld for the undisputed quid pro quo for that White House meeting, let's just hear from Mick Mulvaney. Over and over again, Ambassador Sondland described to multiple witnesses how Mr. Mulvaney was directly involved in the President's scheme. Here's some of that testimony. And so when I came in, uh, Gordon Sondland uh, was basically saying, well, look, we have a deal here that there will be a meeting. I have a deal here with, uh, with uh, Chief of Staff Mulvaney. There will be a meeting if the Ukrainians open up or announce these investigations and uh, into 2016 in Burisma. And I cut it off immediately there. Ambassador Bolton told me that I am not part of uh, this whatever drug deal that Mulvaney and Sondland are cooking up. What did you understand him to mean by the drug deal that Mulvaney and Sondland were cooking up? I took it to mean investigations for a meeting. Did you go speak to the lawyers? I certainly did. What I want to ask you about is, he makes reference in that drug deal to a drug deal cooked up by you and Mulvaney. Um, it's the reference to Mulvaney that I want to ask you about. Um, you've testified in, that Mulvaney was aware of this quid pro quo, of this condition that the Ukrainians had to meet, that is, announcing these public investigations to get the White House meeting. Is that right? Yeah, a lot of people were aware of it. Um, and including, about, including Mr. Mulvaney. Correct. Remarkably, the president is still denying the facts, even as they argue that if it's true, it's still not impeachable. But if the president did nothing wrong, if he held up the aid because of so-called corruption or burden-sharing reasons, he should want his chief of staff to come testify under oath before this distinguished body and say just that. Why doesn't he want Mulvaney to appear before the United States Senate? Well, we know the answer. 
because Mr. Mulvaney will confirm the corrupt shakedown scheme. Because Mr. Mulvaney was in the loop. Everyone was in the loop. As Ambassador Sondland summarized in his testimony on July 19th, he emailed several top administration officials, including Mr. Mulvaney, that President Zelensky was prepared to receive POTUS's call and would assure President Trump that he intends to run a fully transparent investigation and will turn over every stone. Mr. Mulvaney replied, I asked NSC to set it up for tomorrow. The above email seems clear. Ambassador Sondland testified that it was clear, that he was confirming to Mr. Mulvaney that he had told President Zelensky he had to tell President Trump on that July 25th call that he would announce the investigation, which he explained was a reference to one of the two phony political investigations that President Trump wanted. And Mr. Mulvaney replies that he'll set up the meeting, consistent with the agreement that Sondland explained he'd reach with Mr. Mulvaney to condition a meeting on the investigations. But if there's any uncertainty, if there's any lingering questions about what this means, let's just question Mick Mulvaney under oath. Mr. Mulvaney also matters because we have heard several questions from this distinguished body of senators wanting to understand when or why or how the president ordered the hold on the security aid. As the head of the Office of Management and Budget, Mr. Mulvaney has unique insights into all of these questions. Your questions. Remember that email exchange between Mr. Mulvaney and his deputy, Rob Blair, on June 27th, when Mulvaney asked Blair about whether they could implement the hold? And Blair responded that it could be done, but that Congress would become unhinged. It wasn't just Congress. It was the Independent Government Accountability Office that determined that the president's hold violated the law. But if the president's counsel is going to argue without evidence that he withheld the aid as part of U.S. foreign policy, seems to make sense that the Senate should hear directly from Mr. Mulvaney, who has firsthand knowledge of exactly these facts. He said so himself. Again, I was, I was involved with the, uh, the process by which the money was held up temporarily. Okay. Why doesn't President Trump want Mick Mulvaney to testify? Why? Perhaps here's why.
Did he also mention to me in the past that the, 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 the corruption related to the DNC server? Absolutely. No question about that. Um, but that's it. And that's why we held up the money. Now, there was a report. So, 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 so the demand for an investigation into the Democrats was part of the reason that he it was on to withhold funding to Ukraine. The, the look back to what happened in 2016 certainly was, was part of the thing that he was worried about in corruption with that nation. And that is absolutely appropriate. But to be clear, what you just described is a quid pro quo. It is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the Democratic server uh, happened as well. We, we do we do that all the time with foreign policy. We were holding up money at the same time for, uh, what was it, the Northern Triangle countries. We were holding up aid at the Northern Triangle countries so that they uh, so that they would change their policies on immigration. By, by the way, and this speaks to it, this speaks to an important, I'm sorry, this speaks to an important point because I heard this yesterday and I can never remember the gentleman who testified. Was it McKinney, the guy? Is that his name? I don't know him. He testified yesterday. And if you go, and if you believe the news reports, okay, because we've not seen any transcripts of this. The only transcript I've seen was Sondland's testimony this morning. If you read the news reports and you believe them, what did McKinney say yesterday? Well, McKinney said yesterday that he was really upset with the political influence in foreign policy. That was one of the reasons he was so upset about this. And I have news for everybody. Get over it. There's going to be political influence in foreign policy. Is that what the Constitution requires? Get over it? Is that good enough for this body, the world's greatest deliberative body? Get over it? The President's counsel can try to emphasize Mr. Mulvaney and his attorney's efforts to walk back this statement. But as you've seen with your own eyes, the statement was unequivocal. And even when given the chance in real time on that day, on October 17th, to deny a quid pro quo, he doubled down. Get over it, he said. But if you have any questions about what the real answer is, where the truth lies, there's only one way to find out. Let's all just question Mr. Mulvaney under oath during a Senate trial. After all, counsel said that cross-examination was the greatest vehicle in the history of American jurisprudence ever invented to ascertain the truth. Your standard. Finally, I'd like to touch briefly on the importance of Mr. Blair and Mr. Duffy to this case. The President's lawyers have argued that withholding foreign aid is entirely within his right as Commander-in-Chief, that this was a normal, ordinary decision, and that this is all just one big policy disagreement. We have proven exactly the opposite. This can't be a policy disagreement because the president's hold actually went against U.S. policy. The hold was undertaken outside of the normal channels by a president who they admit was not conducting policy. The hold was concealed not only from Congress, but from the president's own officials responsible for Ukraine policy. And most importantly, the hold violated the law. The president has the right to make policy,
but he does not have the right to break the law and coerce an ally into helping him cheat in our free and fair elections. And he doesn't have a right to use hundreds of millions of dollars in taxpayer funds as leverage to get political dirt on an American citizen who happens to be his political opponent. But if you remain unsure about all of this, who better to ask than Mr. Blair or Mr. Duffy? They oversaw and executed the process of withholding the aid. They can tell us exactly how unrelated to business as usual this whole shakedown scheme was when it was underway. They can testify about why the aid was withheld and whether there was any legitimate explanation for withholding it. Some of you have asked that very question. Multiple officials, including Ambassador Sondland, Ambassador Taylor, David Holmes, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, Jennifer Williams, and Mark Sandy, all testified that they were never given a credible explanation for the hold. So let's ask Mr. Blair, let's ask Mr. Duffy if this happens all the time, as Mick Mulvaney suggests. Why at this time, in connection with this scheme, were all of those witnesses left in the dark? Despite the President's refusal to produce a single document, to produce a shred of information in this impeachment inquiry undertaken in the House, his administration did produce 192 pages of Ukraine-related email records in Freedom of Information Act lawsuits, albeit in heavily redacted form. These documents confirm Mr. Duffy's central role in executing the hold. He's on nearly every single email released. Nearly every single email. Here's an important email from that production. Just 90 minutes after the July 25th call, Mr. Duffy emailed officials at the Department of Defense that they should hold off on any additional DOD obligations of these funds. Mr. Duffy added that the request was sensitive and that they should keep this information closely held. The timing is important because if the aid wasn't linked to the July 25th call, if it wasn't related, why the sensitive, closely held request made within two hours of that call? Let's just ask Mr. Duffy. Mr. Duffy and Mr. Blair can testify about the concerns raised by DOD to the Office of Management and Budget, 
about the illegality of the hold and why it remained in place even after DOD warned the administration that it would violate the Impoundment Control Act. Now, the president, of course, has disputed this fact. But we have demonstrated that OMB was warned repeatedly by DOD officials of two things. First, continuing to withhold the aid would prevent the Department of Defense from spending the money before the end of the fiscal year. And second, the hold was potentially illegal, as turned out to be the case. By August 9th, DOD told Mr. Duffy directly that DOD, the Department of Defense, could no longer support the Office of Management and Budget's claims that the hold would not preclude timely execution of the aid for Ukraine, our vulnerable ally at war with Russian-backed separatists. Yet, as Mr. Duffy reportedly told Ms. McCuster at the Department of Defense on August 30th, there was a clear direction from POTUS to continue to hold. Clear direction from the President of the United States to continue the hold. So how did Mr. Duffy understand the clear direction to continue the hold? Why is the President claiming that this wasn't unlawful? When DOD, the Department of Defense, repeatedly warned his administration that it was. Wouldn't we all like to ask Mr. Duffy these questions? Finally, here's another reason why we know this was not business as usual. On July 29th, Mr. Duffy, a political appointee with zero relevant experience, abruptly seized responsibility for withholding the aid from Mark Sandy, a career Office of Management and Budget official, seized the responsibility from a career official. Mr. Duffy provided no credible explanation for that decision. Mr. Sandy testified that nothing like that had ever happened in his entire governmental career. Let's think about that. If this is as routine as the president claims, why is a career official saying he's never seen anything like this happen before? Mr. Duffy knows why. Shouldn't we just take the time to ask him? The American people deserve a fair trial. The Constitution deserves a fair trial. The President deserves a fair trial. A fair trial means witnesses. A fair trial means documents. A fair trial means evidence. No one is above the law. I now yield to my distinguished colleague, Manager Lofgren.